What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. The down on the docks on the other side of the tracks, dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to right here on the Odyssey app, or hey, wherever else you're getting this podcast action from. I'm not going to judge as long as you're liking, subscribing, and sharing, or commenting, or giving us those five star reviews because you know what? Just like five-tool baseball players, we love them, right? We love the shit out of a five-tool baseball player. Do you know what we like more than that here on this podcast, those five-star reviews? Also, same feelings go for YouTube as well. Anyways, that is all the house cleaning I have. We're going to get right into this episode. I'm talking to Chris Copacino from Copacino Fujikato. They used to do all of the Mariners classic commercials, the ones that everybody's asking for. He worked with and around Seattle Mariners, him and his dad for over 20 some odd years. Uh, Fun to always talk to Chris. He comes on here and contributes a lot of uh, backing up of Jerry DePoto and what the Mariners organization have been building. But he's starting to turn that corner a little bit. And we're talking about that. And we are, as you've seen as the title is, we are reacting to... Ben Verlander's comments on flipping bats about, hey, the Mariners should be all in going into these winter meetings. The Mariners should be all in on Otani still, Soto, all of the above. It's time. We're going to play that and listen to it and kind of react to that. And we're going to talk about what needs to happen now that we are in this window as far as trading, as far as not trading, uh, prospects. Um, what are we going to do to get back up to par? What should we expect to get back up to par after, you know, not extending an offer to Teo and trading Gino? What's going to happen if nothing happens? How is the fan base going to take that? What is to be expected in drama land, AKA Mariners Twitter. And we're going to finish up with a little story about Lou Pinella and a discussion about him being a finalist for the uh, MLB Hall of Fame. Chris and his dad worked with Lou Pinella, so I asked him, of course, come on, give me a, give me a story, give me some dirt about Lou Pinella. And uh, spoiler alerts, uh, the story ends with Lou Pinella in a towel smoking a cigarette. So uh, that's at the end of this episode. Anyways, I'm going to shut the hell up so you can enjoy the newest episode of the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. It's going to start right now. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Did it again and again and again. Did it again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the kingdom. I want to just play this and I want you to react to it because, you know, you've been pretty supportive and I've been kind of on the fence, but you've been very supportive of like, hey, hardcore into what Jerry's building and believing into what's going on. So I want you to listen to this and then let's talk about it and react to it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This one comes from Hugo. If the Mariners miss the playoffs again next season, should that be the end of the Jerry DePoto era or should they just keep paying him big bucks to not make the playoffs? So burn, baby, burn. The, the Mariners are, are an interesting team and organization to me because it almost feels like they're getting held back a bit by ownership and willingness to spend. 
I think the team's ready. Yeah. Right now. You have a dominant rotation, one of the best rotations in baseball. You have Julio Rodriguez, who's an absolute superstar, but it constantly is feeling like they're making moves, just not the big move to get him over the I I think it's obvious. You need a you need a big offensive bat. Yeah. What are they going to do? Who are they going to? Well, it just constantly feels like they're not making it. So I almost feel like Jerry Depoto is in a position where Jerry Depoto makes more trades than people with like Pokemon cards in elementary school. He's constantly what? making a million trades. And I almost feel like the reason for it is because he knows he doesn't have the, the, the money and the, the pockets from the owner to make a move. So he's just trying to do whatever he can to make all these trades and get new pieces and add offense here and there. So I don't know if I'm ready to place a lot of this blame on Jerry Depoto. Mm -mm. I don't. I, I think the team very clearly needs a big bat. And I don't think it's Depoto saying, yeah, we're not going to get it. We don't need it. I, I think it's an unwillingness to spend that extra money and to really go do what I think they need to do, which is add a big bat. So I don't know. I mean, it, it almost, we heard very early on, the Mariners are not huge players in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Well, why? Why not? That feels like a great fit. It does. Well, they're not willing to spend that money. And that's been the theme, mm. is an unwillingness to spend the amount of money. Now, they have spent. They've done it in the past, and it didn't work. But, but right now, it feels different. You have a team that's built around one of the best rotations, one through five in all of baseball, mm -hmm. and you have a superstar that plays center field that's young and about to enter his prime and only going to get better this team's ready. Go spend the money, yeah. add some offensive pieces yeah. around J-Rod, and go win. But they just, they they always come up just short. I felt like last offseason, they were ready, and it just felt like they they made moves. They did they got Teoscar Hernandez, who didn't have a, a great year, but again, it was a it was a big pickup for them. It feels like they're making moves, but not the move that's needed to be made. And is that Jerry Depoto's fault? I I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's probably ownership saying, hey, we need to stay under this amount of money. All right, Kobe. So there it is. I, I think that was a fair assessment, personally, uh, of like, yeah, they got to do something. And oh, why not shoot for the stars? Look, you got two champions, back-to-back uh, -back champions in your division. It doesn't get any easier. But also, it's not all on Jerry Depoto. I think this is more something after the ownership. I know you've worked with the Mariners. Uh, you've been supportive of what Jerry's doing. What do you think about those comments? What do you think about what should happen here going in the winter meetings next week? Yeah, you know, I have been supportive about the plan that Jerry's been building, and he's been stacking chips uh, along the way. Um, but organizationally it's put up or shut up time and you know i have been supportive of what they're doing but um not that people are hanging on every tweet that i sent out but in the last couple of weeks I've, I've my rhetoric has changed to to really try you know to to uh join the cacophony of seattle mariners fans hoping and uh prodding the organization to make some big moves because it's fine to preach patience. It's fine to preach, uh, stay with the plan. But when you have the Texas Rangers win a win a World Series, it means you better get going pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and it's very scary to see to everybody going. Otani is a great fit for the Rangers, and they have the money, and they are the champion. You're like, ah! <laughs> totally. And you know, I and and. 
I think I talked to you last time I was on about this, but I I had a thought that the you know the fact that the Rangers won might actually be the best thing for the Mariners uh, because it really lights a fire under them that says they're not just going to be able to incremental incrementalize their way to success. You have to make some big moves and and you know so 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 then you ask me what I think about the winter meetings. You know I mean so far the off season has just been bizarre and weird because nothing has really made sense. Um, and who knows what's going to happen uh, looking forward. But I will tell you, there's going to be absolute revolt among Mariners fans if they cut salary, Suarez, don't make big moves, don't sign Snell, aren't competitive for Otani, don't make big runs at these trades uh, for a first baseman. And we're, gonna, we're probably going to talk about Ty here in a second or – um, or Juan Soto, and there's going to be a revolt because at some point the the PR headlines become reality. Perception becomes reality. You have a organization who has made money hand over foot the last three years, partially through revenue streams, big t- good TV deals, and the fact that the ballpark has been full. They've been playing meaningful games throughout the year and packing it late and making a ton of money on parking and, and all the different yeah, things. We're not getting happy hour prices down there for all no. these guys. This is full time uh, Saturday and Sunday prices. Sure. They got a couple, couple of things. They do have those $10 tickets, but in a nutshell, it is big money. And we've seen what the revenue was last year and the yeah. year before that. And we're at the top of the charts. And, 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 you know, it's, it's bad optics when you, have bought a big piece of real estate, the old Pyramid Brewery, and built that out into a, re- a money-making uh, stream. And then you buy another big piece of property, the old Henry's Tavern, and there's plans to develop that into a revenue stream. And you're not putting those dollars on the field. And at some point, this is going to run thin. And I thought that, you know, it basically what, what, what you heard in that clip was the Mariners were building. They were doing the right things. They had a bunch of momentum behind them with a, with a fan base that was buying what they were selling with young talent, controllable talent, adding it to with vets, good vibes, which you cut at the knees, all these different things. And, and now you have this, the cynicism and skepticism building back into this. Now, what can abolish that? It's what you do at the winter meetings. If you can sign Otani, if you can make a move for Juan Soto, if you can sign Blake Snell, or you bring in the Japanese pitcher, then it changes. But right now, it's a it's an incomplete and it's a big damn question mark. I mean, the idea of trading a very popular and cl- uh, important clubhouse person who has some value, not a big strikeout guy in any Eugenio Suarez, but hitting sixth or seventh in a good lineup is has some value. The fact that you dumped him for six to eight million dollars of salary relief that it looks like means that another foot has to drop. And if not, who I mean they Yeah, there, there's a lot of a business to be done just to get back at par. Like I we talked about in the last couple episodes. Yeah, we got rid of some salary 30 million dollars pretty much. So there's 30 million dollars right there to spend. But you did eliminate these strikeouts. You did eliminate leadership 
you did eliminate 180 runs batted in. That's a, that's, that's a hole. Um, going with the contact stuff, sure, we've talked about it now. The game is kind of returning back to a little bit more traditional where you got to put the ball in play. You got to steal bases. You got to move around. You're going to play gap to gap, spread the defense wide now that you can't stack everybody on one side. I like it. I love it. And I know that they were building it that way. I've, I'm with you going into these meetings this year. There has to be a splash and maybe things will stall out because of money, but you're starting to see, especially with the pitchers. Um, I, I think that market's going to start to move right now. I don't see people sitting around and waiting. People are starting to grab things. I know there's the big Otani, but he's not going to set the market for everybody else. I think yeah, he's, he's, gonna, he's very isolated. Yeah. For, yeah. There's no other, there's nobody else in his market that does what he does. Right. Right. No, you're right. And I, I agree with all that. And at, and at some point, um, it's very clear to me that the days of Moneyball and these small market teams competing is kind of over. It's an arms race. It just is. I mean, look look at the teams who are in there at the end. They're top 10 in payroll. And you, and you plan at this point right now to run out of payroll that I think is in the 19th or 20th, 21st, somewhere in there. It's pretty bad. And you have all the things going for you. You have money in the bank, you have controllable talent, you have good revenue, you have the all-star game here, which put a lot of dollars in your coffers yeah. and you got to start spending. And, and you, you don't have you, those things to hide to behind this year. Like when things are going bad, we're like, Hey, the all-star game is here this year. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this year is it like, like I said, if, if just starting this podcast, we started this with in, after how great we felt after 2021 and 2022 was a new hope. It was, it was star Wars, you know, and the last year was definitely empire strikes back. I'm hoping this year is return of the Jedi re return of the big contracts, because you, you just pointed out to the teams that were there at the end, look, Arizona and uh, Texas, two offensive teams. They're not pitching teams. They think they were 20th and 19th or 20th of that, but they hit the ball. They scored runs and that's just how it's going to be. Offense is coming back. Pitching is very important. Um, I'm hoping to see, and I'm going to talk about this on some other podcasts uh, as far as trades. Yeah. I could see you, uh, you know, trading something from the pitching wealth that you have, but for the most part, it's this, the, the DDT, can only take you so far you have to start adding players right now just like you said and it's an arms race and they kind of made a mistake in the last couple of years on it you also were done with last year like yeah. that's the thing about it bitched we've moaned enough fuck I, yeah do i wish we would have got marcus simeon two years ago too bad we're moving on from that there's other players available the juan soto is available i know that's kind of a ddt thing Sure, because it's a trade, but to me that would be more of a big risk trade because you would be ultimately trying to court him to keep him in here the next year. Definitely going to cost you, you know, two and a half to three hundred million. But I mean, this, that, that's what they need to add on because they they struck it rich with with the Julio. They struck it good with the pitching. They struck it good with Cal Raleigh, and now it's time to add on to that stuff. And it has to happen right now. Yeah, and I think I, and to build on that, I think that you know. Um, the paradigm 
that they're built around is not going to change. They've amassed a ton of young arms and controllable arms and good arms. So they're going to continue to pitch. The only reason they were competitive last year is because they pitched their ass off. And frankly, when they when they had a really bad September, it was the pitching that that didn't carry the mail. I mean, the offense was the offense. You can lament about the fact they struck out too much, didn't create enough traffic, um, didn't get those guys in, all those different things. All that said, you know, the, the starting pitching in the bullpen wasn't great in September. And that's no, why they, that's what happens when you go into the winter in the fall. And yeah. You need tread on your tires to get up the mountain and you oh. ran that tread to the ground. Cool. So they're going to stay in that in that vein. I do think you're seeing a paradigm change and it's very telling in the two players. They, you know, one, they traded and one, they non-tendered in, in Suarez and, and Hernandez that they are going to put more of an emphasis on contact. And I think you mentioned that earlier and I agree with that. That is, that is a, a paradigm, you know, kind of the pendulum coming back now about, you know, for a long time, we said, don't worry about strikeouts. Strikeout is the most uncompetitive result in baseball. And so the ability to hit the, to put the ball in play and, and Jerry's, you know, and so it's, Two things. He's been very focused on hard hit rate, which is great. If you, because if you hit the ball hard, good things are going to happen. But you got to put the ball in play. We, wanna, can, we want the ball to touch grass. Yeah. If you can, if you can increase your hard hit rate and the frequency at which you put the ball in play, those two things should equal in the better offense. So I think you're going to see that. I think we're impatient because we want to see the other shoe drop and what's this team going to look like, and um, and so they're going to go out and, and they're and they're going to and they're going to try to to betress uh, this, this, this young talent. Young Randy Johnson's neighbors could see his fastball coming. But Randy was our paper boy. And every afternoon he'd ride his bike down the street whipping papers. Even then he threw 70 to 80 miles an hour. One day he beamed the family cat Whiskers. Whiskers survived, but he's never been the same. But I still go back to sitting in a room with Jerry in 2018 and um, 2019, excuse me. And he went through all the players and he talked about the windows and we are still in this window. And he, cause he really tied it to Cal and uh, JP and Kelnick and Julio was on the front end of that. And he talked about this window that we're squarely now in. I said last year, hey, we're on the front end of this window. We weren't even supposed to be that competitive yet. And then, and, and the year before kind of abolished that paradigm. Well, now we're getting into that window. We and are. We're, aren't, we are in that window. And we're you know, squarely in that window. Yes, and so and now, now you need to add to that. You need to add the logs to the fire. You have to keep you need to stack the logs on the fire, or you're going to find yourself non competitive. And then you're going to be wasting um a lot of this uh uh this young talent the other thing that i think about is they have a ton of young position players coming and so if there's ever a time to maybe overspend in an area to stem the tide until you get you get to the harry fords of the world yeah and and all these other players that they've drafted really well. If you talk about draft experts, then we're not draft experts. And nobody who does these podcasts or talks on the radio is draft experts. But if you, when you hear people who care and, and are very knowledgeable about the draft, to by all accounts, the Mariners have killed the last two drafts they've been. Absolutely just murdered the last two drafts they're in. You should see the fruits of that in two years. So you have to stem the tide. And how do you do that? You have to buy it. You just have to you have buy to. it. You have to. You have to. Because 
also as much as you can kill it you don't know you yeah. you just you don't you don't know what what these people are going to come into we've we've had those highly touted draft picks and this is going back before depoto was doing stuff so you do have to also go we're in that window like you said right now so the future stuff too far down the road i get it but i am in in agreement with you of like we got to do something until then and i don't feel so precious about holding on to those guys and being like we can't do something with it if something comes you know on the table a soto an alonzo or whatever and those are the people that they're asking for then i'm down because right now is the window just like you said and i where i go should jerry be on the hot seat i just wanted to touch on that part about what we heard on the flipping bats i get both sides of that argument um i get that uh he's been here for a while i live in la they uh switch people out Quite often, uh, other teams, if you're somewhere eight, nine years and you only have one division title, period, you know, y- you do get moved on. But the, it, why, when you and I have talked about this before, Jerry inherited a missed shot, a missed draft mm-hmm. uh, sequence of years that didn't work out. He also inherited, sure, and I know people want to trash Robinson Cano. He was a great player. Nelson Cruz, great player. Felix, it just... We happened to be in the division when Houston came over where we were like, we're going to kick these guys' ass every year. They've been nothing but a fucking problem the second they've been in our division. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you go back four or five years when it hit the plunge and you're like, we're so close. And it's like, we were never going to get to that point. So I feel now, if you want to judge Jerry, if you want to judge Scott, and you want to judge whether <clears> – <throat> They should go, whether you, you you bring them back or where the blame goes. You can start judging them now, maybe going back two years, but you can't you can't sit there and be like, they've been here since 2016. Cause I feel like everything after the uh, COVID season, which was ultimately made this whole transition a little bit easier because we didn't have to sit through 162 games of what we sat through in 2019. And then we saw 2021 get it going very reminiscent of the 2011 Seahawks and 12 Seahawks. And we're seeing this build, but yeah, going into this winter meeting and let's also not judge until what happens at spring training in the preseason. We know a lot of rumblings and things can happen and let's give them until the all-star break. But I also can be upset about what the opening day roster looks like, yeah. but I ultimately I think the, the thumbs up, the thumbs down gladiator bullshit, we have to wait a little bit longer, but definitely it's, it's on the table. It's yeah. on the table, but I, I'm, I'm hoping, and I am optimistic about this, but also with what they said here on the video, it all comes back to ownership. What what's the uh, what's the allowance? Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, and I said this. I was talking about this last week. I think I even uh, tweeted it, which is I am fully willing to wait until the cake is baked. But right you now, are. let they- me read what you said. Let me read what you said. You said because uh, we are screen recording these things. I'm putting these up here. Here we go. You go. <clears throat> you let me read your tweet. I am willing to wait and judge for the hashtag Mariners offseason 
in its entirety when the cake is fully baked, but it feels we are, quote, shitty meal at a supposed awesome restaurant, undershooting of expectations. Hope Jerry, Stanton, and co. have some big things up their sleeves at Rybird Mustard Podcast. Um, oh. And I agree with you. Um, and uh, what's your final take on this segment? I just think that um, I think it's really important um, that the Mariners continue to build because, and, and frankly, we, as fans, we better hope to hell that this works out because this organization can't survive from a fan base standpoint or recycle. Jerry gets blown out. No. Scott gets blown out. And now we're back to a four or five year thing. You know, I think, the, I think the saving grace and, and the kind of the solace I have is that you had, you had two very core players on your, on your, on your roster and Cal rally and JP talk very openly about their expectation for the front office and management to support what they were doing. And if you don't answer that bell, if you can't look at those guys in the eye come spring training next year and go, we are markedly better. There's going to be uh, a lot of resentment among them. And now you're going to get into a poisonous culture and frankly dash everything that you've you've built over the last two and three years of belief and momentum. So um, I'll go back to where I started and final take on this is this is the biggest off season, I think for the Mariners in their history, it's the biggest off season for Jerry and mm-hmm. it started off a little weird. Um, but I would imagine that as we, you know, flip the calendar and look towards spring training, that's when this momentum picks up and he owes it to the fan base. His organization owes it to the fan base and those players who are still with him to spend support and make it, very salient and visible. They are doing all that they can to keep up with the arms race and the competitive forces uh, in Major League Baseball. And if they're not, then they're not serious about winning and they should be all fucked anyways. And you're right. I like what they were talking about here on uh, Flipping Bats. You know, they get a million tweets. They picked one that, hey, makes sense. It was a good question. I, I, I like you said, let's wait until the... Uh, the cake is fully baked on on Depoto. Uh, also, ownership it's it's on them. It's on them. If if he's got the money, if they're like, hey, go get fucking Otani, outbid the Mets, you know, uh, Juan Soto, you know, the Yankees need an outfielder. So you, the, the, it's not as easy as everybody says. Like, well, well, go get him. Well, it's like the Mariners are gonna have to pay tax. The only team that flew more than the Mariners last year, even with the balanced schedule, which is kind of funny and sad, it's the Oakland A's. So, I mean, that's a lot of miles there with the spirit air for, for the Oakland A's. But but it, it, is, it is a sell. But guys like Soto, guys like Otani, I don't care where you put the fences. They're going to hit home runs. These aren't little contact. These guys are going to mash the ball. And uh, let's hope we can see one of them or see Alonzo. Or something. I'm I'm expecting big things to happen this week. We're gonna keep rolling these things out. Uh, but as far as Jerry and the organization, you're right. It is shit. Get off the pot, and you are gonna lose the momentum of the fan base. And uh, the fans have turned out the last couple of years. They've lined the pockets of the Mariners. Um, we'll we'll see what happens. 
like turn a corner, there's some sort yeah. of wine, wine, wine. I've had it with your excuses. Yeah. You're acting like a loser. So you I want therapy? Yeah. I'll give you therapy. Get off your duff. Get out of here and make something happen. Do I make myself clear? Aren't you glad he decided to manage the Mariners instead? Next. Just saw the news here. Lou is a finalist for the MLB Hall of Fame. I know he's been on the list every year, but you look you look at his accolades. Uh, you know how we feel about it. We don't got to run them down right here. If you don't know Lou Pinella, I'm not going to sit here and give you the fucking optics on him. Go do your research. Y you and your dad and, you, and, and your guys' company, you guys worked and been around Lou. Uh, give me a little, give me a little dirt. Give me a little behind the scenes. You guys did the commercials and the marketing for the Mariners for many, many years. The entire time Lou Pinella was there. Uh, what do you got? Give me something, Kobe. Yeah. Well, I mean, Lou, Lou was uh, cut from a different cloth, man. And he, you know, if you took like, you know, baseball savant and kind of, you know, old school manager and just then just a person off the board, that was Lou. And um, and so he was always great to work with. He gave us time. He was, he was, you know, he was, uh, he was pleasant. He was directable. Um, funny thing about Lou is that, you know, he would come to spring training looking great, you know, down 25 pounds, cam from being in Tampa over the off season. And over the course of the year, you know, he'd get grizzled and by September he looked like shit. So my story, my, my, my best story about Lou is, this is the first year that I went down to uh, observe and help a little bit with the Mariners uh, TV commercial production. And so this is, uh, this is 97 and I am, uh, we, you know, we, we're, we shoot around the, we were shooting around the complex, a lot of different places. And so we, we, we would always shoot in the minor league clubhouse and dress it to make look like the major league clubhouse and um and then we would move someplace else so we were we had shot a bunch of stuff in the minor league clubhouse and then we were moving out to the field and uh so we did a company move out to the field and we're out there and someone i forget who said oh i left a thing back in the uh in the in the clubhouse and i my job was i mean it's a free trip down there being around baseball players appearing in spots I was a gopher and I was up for anything. So they say, hey, Chris, can you run back into the clubhouse and get and, and get this thing? I think it was a portfolio or something. So, well, yeah, no problem. So I go back in there. And, you know, I wasn't totally familiar. I was credentialed, so I could go anywhere. But I, I, I wasn't familiar with the, the thing. So I'm kind of walking through, trying to find where it is. And I accidentally entered through the Major League Clubhouse. And I didn't really know it until I kind of was like, oh, okay, I'm in the Major League Clubhouse. Take a couple more uh turns and i come around the corner and there's lou Pinella in a fucking towel smoking a cigarette but uh but i come around the corner face to face with lou and i'm just looking at him he's sitting there in this towel belly and smoking and he just goes how you doing young fella and just walks right past me just like it was just like the most just that's hanging fella. on the ground just yeah and i was like ah that's lou Pinella. so that's my lou Pinella story i've seen i've seen lou Pinella in a towel uh, and doing his best Jim Leland smoking impression. Yeah. And I also love what your dad always says about Lou. Like he just be like, 
all right, let's do it. But how long? This better not take all goddamn day. Like yeah. that was his attitude. Like he would come in, he would do it, but he would tell you right off the bat, this better not take all goddamn day. Totally. Uh, Lou, put, Lou uh, sweet Lou, you got to put him in. I mean, like I know that they look at people go, well, as a player, no, he's not a hall. He's not a hall of fame player. And maybe as a coach, you know, he's, he's up there. And maybe it's not enough. But then if you add the life of what you've done in baseball and you put those two things together, absolutely. Yeah. And I know some people yeah. be like, you're blasphemy. He's a Hall of Fame. But he didn't get the job done in Seattle. He changed and saved. I know we give a lot of that to, to Griffey all the time. But, like, lose the guy that stirred the ship. Lose the guy that changed the whole, like, hey, Seattle can be a winning a winning franchise, um, you know, similar, different way, but like same thing. You look at the Seahawks and you go, man, everything changed when Mike Holmgren got there. Right. Pete Carroll took it to the moon, but uh, Holmgren got it going, and that's definitely what what Lou Pinella did. And uh, you know, especially him being an ex-Yankee, him being a world champion, bringing a lot of the people from the Reds organization over uh, during those times from being over there and then having that rivalry that was a great time in baseball even if you're not a mariners fan i mean i talk to people down here all the time you guys never won the world series with that team no we never went to the world series with the team and that's what i think is kind of like the hold up there i think if he would have got back to the world series one more time or won it he would be a shoe in as a manager but i think if you add those two things and everything that he's been part of in this game uh, you know, a unanimous fuck yes from, from yeah. me. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's more like a baseball lifetime achievement award, really, that gets him into the Hall of Fame then as a player or a manager. It's, he's He's been one of the kind of steadfast personalities around baseball for, you know, 50 years back to his playing yeah. days and today. So I think, I think he's, I think he's in and I think it'd be a shame if he wasn't. And, uh, It'd be great to have him in. It'd be interesting to see what hat he wears uh, when he goes in. If it's uh, if it's Yankees or if it's Cincinnati, or if it's the Mariners or it's the Rays or it's the Cubs. Uh, the Rays. I'm going to go in as a Tampa Bay Ray. Uh, he well, he's from Tampa, so right. let's not right. let's not let's not uh, uh, exclude that quite yet. I don't to quickly. I only had before I get. I only had one personal interaction ever with Lou Pinella and it happened this year at the all-star game. And it's not that great of a story. He him and Jay Buhner were signing autographs at the fan fest. And there was just, you know, a lot of people walking by and they're up on this um, platform. And I happened to be by the, the guardrail. And there was just kind of like a break where I think they were authentic. They do take something and make sure it's authentic. Some players don't sign this some players don't sign that. So there's like this big break where it was just Lou Pinella sitting there and I go, Hey, sweet Lou. And he looks right at me and I have my phone recorded and he gives me this thumbs up. And then this lady walks like right in front of the camera, like this great moment because it had happened where he nodded at me. And then I turned the camera on and I said it again. And he like re like redid the whole thing again for me. And then the lady walks in. I didn't, I didn't have the heart to ask for a third take on it, but uh, all right. We'll, be, um, we're, we'll talk soon. Um, and, uh, we'll definitely want to hear from, we'll talk next week. 
when the meetings are going and when they concluded, because you know Mariners Twitter is going to be going crazy one way or another. Uh, if they don't get something next week, everybody's going to flip out. So <laughs> and you'll be there to battle them all. Uh, check out Kopi. Uh, what is your handle here? It is at Chris C H R I S Copa C O P A at Chris Copa. Go check him out on Twitter. If you're not following rye bread and mustard, uh, fuck you. Uh, but go ahead and go follow, go follow Chris. All right, that's our episode. We'll be back tomorrow talking a little bit more of what to expect here going into the winter meetings and what uh, we should possibly just be bracing ourselves for. We'll be back with Hanno, possibly the Ninja. Again, we'll be back tomorrow. Anyways, thank you for liking, subscribing, and all that good stuff. And uh, I know Hanno's not here to give us that charge bugle, but that's all right. This show is not protected. SAG-AFTRA, uh, who's AI all we want? Here we go.